Next on BYU Sports Nation, who is this and what have you done with the BYU football offense? How different will Jaron Hall make the Cougars offense look on Saturday? Is South Florida just what the doctor ordered to get the BYU defense back on track? And following yesterday's basketball media day madness, what's your blue goggle level for the season? Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Thursday, October 10th, wherever and however you are connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the guy who's already scored 10 runs in the first 30 <laughs> seconds of the show, Jason Shepard. Yeah, look, I realize uh, people are not tuning into this program to hear St. Louis Cardinals talk, but I was very pleased yesterday. Uh, and, and what was so funny was uh, the the Game 5 of the NLDS between the Cardinals and the Braves yesterday was, uh, first pitch was at about 3 o'clock Mountain Time. Well, I had to record an interview for Cougar Pregame Live. Uh, I was interviewing the assistant head coach and the defensive coordinator, uh, Brian Jean-Marie of South Florida. So I missed the start of it. So I get done with the interview. I come back into our office. I flip on the game. And I honestly had to, to look twice. Are they really leading 10 nothing To the point where I almost said, yeah, I probably shouldn't watch this. If they're going to play that well when I don't watch, I probably should just stay away. Yeah, but my but it was awesome. My first reaction was, it must be one to nothing. That's got to be <laughs> yeah. like a graphical error or something on the part of TBS. Yeah. No, it was real. That's awesome. Look, I look, like I love baseball, so I'm really into the baseball postseason. I know there are a lot of people who are not, but I mean, I think it's been fascinating. And what happened last night with the Dodgers and the Nationals? Wow. The D- Dodgers eliminated, and now it's Nationals and Cardinals to go to the World Series from the National League. I saw somebody send out a gift saying, uh, quoting or, or bringing to light uh, the recent Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix saying, <laughs> L.A. Dodgers fans walking towards the exit in his super weird laugh. <laughs> <laughs> the poor Dodger fans. I, feel, I don't know if there's poor Dodger fans. They'll be right back there next yeah, year. Yeah, they're, they're going to be just fine. And there will be a World Series somewhere in, there in the next four or five years. Uh, great stuff. And I'll say this about baseball, my friend. No matter how many games there are, there's always something that's never happened. Oh, yeah. Yesterday, it was 10 runs, the most runs of any inning in any postseason game in Major League Baseball history. There's always something weird. And they did it without a single home run. Okay, there even were more no weird. home runs. Even more weird. That's enough baseball talk, Jason. I now uh, prohibit you from using <laughs> the word St. Louis Cardinals or baseball uh, for the rest of the show. All right, that's fine. I got it out of my system. <laughs> Here is today's show lineup. Corey Chavis, former NFL player, why he's excited to watch BYU football play against USF on Saturday. And Aaron Roderick, BYU football passing game coordinator, how different will this offense look with Jaron Hall at quarterback? We're going to dive into that as well, but not before your Thursday BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football. Headed to Tampa, Florida to take on the Bulls of USF this Saturday. BYU Offensive Coordinator Jeff Grimes, in spite of USF and their lackluster defensive stats, expects a real challenge from the Bulls' defense. They're like a lot of teams in Florida. They've got a lot of skill, a lot of guys that can run at all positions, both in the back end and, and in their front seven. So um, they're, they have a lot of talented players. So it'll be another real challenge for us. 
coverage on BYU TV starts with countdown to kickoff at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. Radio pregame featuring Jason Shepard starts at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. BYU Basketball Media Day was held yesterday. Head coach Mark Pope says the expectations remain high for this BYU basketball squad. We expect to be a very, very good team by the end of the season. That's the expectation we put on for ourselves. We have a bunch of individuals, a bunch of seniors that expect to have a very, very special year. And so falling short of that is unacceptable. So, you know, exactly how that's going to shape up, I don't know. That's for you guys to talk about. For us, we're talking about getting better every single day. BYU's first exhibition game is coming up on November 1st against UT Tyler at the Marriott Center. Sixth-ranked BYU women's soccer on a vengeance tour dominates Pepperdine, a team they had lost three in a row to, by a final score of 5-1. to one. Elise Flake finished with the brace, two goals, bringing her season total to 11, including this gem. Flake with a quick flick and into some space. Elise Flake to her left foot. The touch off the post. Deflects and she puts it home. Elise Flake and bake. BYU continues conference play Saturday against Pacific. 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific on BYU TV. How about the Cougars? That was a fun one. It was cold. But with every goal, things got a little warmer. Yeah, just, the, you know, the closer to a W, the, you, you didn't worry about the 30-degree temps last night. A statement victory. Absolutely. Number nine, women's volleyball hosts San Francisco tonight as BYU looks to extend its eight-game winning streak. The Cougars are a perfect 18-0 all-time against the Dons. Whoa. The match can be seen on the BYU TV app starting at 9 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Pacific. So are you hanging out tonight? You, you, you watching volleyball or what? Uh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be on the sidelines <laughs> watching 19 and 0 is what I'm going to be watching. <laughs> All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The BYU You're offense will look very, very much the same on Saturday? Or will it be a little bit different? Jaron Hall, we know, will make his first start at BYU quarterback, but what does that mean for the overall look of the Cougars' offense when they take on the USF Bulls? Jason, in your opinion, how different is this offense going to look with Jaron Hall QB? I don't expect to see much difference at all, and you don't even need to take my word or my opinion for it. Listen to offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. Well, there will be some things that are that are slight adjustments, wrinkles, um, but for the most part, we'll run the same offense. He's capable of doing the same things um, that Zach did, and he has been repping those things. So it'll be very similar look. Look, as you mentioned, there may be a few wrinkles, but the overall offense stays the same. This is not like last year when the offense made the wholesale changes going from Tanner Mangum to Zach Wilson. You, you saw significant changes in the offense there. That's not the case. This In spring, Jaron was running the same offense Zach was running once the regular season started. The only difference that I can see and talk about those wrinkles, maybe a few more design runs, but overall the BYU offense is the BYU offense, and that isn't going to change now that Jaron's the quarterback. And it doesn't have to change. He knows this offense. And you're going to hear this coming up a little bit later on the show uh, when, when you hear the one-on-one I had with Aaron Roderick. But Coach Roderick says there are far more similarities between Zach and Jaron than there are differences. And he's, sometimes people are thinking that they're two different players. He says they're more similar than people think. So it doesn't necessitate a change. I said it earlier this week. Zach Wilson is Fruit Loops, and Jaron Hall is Tutti Fruities. It's essentially the same thing, okay? 
Are you saying Jaron Hall is the Malto meal version? I think Malto meal is delicious for the record. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I prefer the Malto meal depending on the uh, the brand of cereal that it is. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. My point is it's not going to be that different. Fruit Loops with Zach Wilson, Tutti Fruities with Jaron Hall. You're getting the same thing, essentially, but there will be a few little wrinkles, maybe a few little ingredients that are just different enough that will make BYU's offense a little bit new. I'm excited to see those wrinkles, but essentially it's going to be the same thing. I mean, Jason, if I put a bowl of Tutti Fruities or Fruit Loops in front of you and tell you to do a taste test, would you really know without seeing where I poured the cereal? I would not. Okay. Yeah. Like, and that's look, and that's why I said the offense doesn't have to change. I think the only thing that they want to see, and this is regardless if Jaron's the quarterback or if Zach, you know, didn't get hurt, they just want to see better execution. That that's the only thing they want to see is better execution, especially when you get close to the end zone. Make sure you're punching it in, getting the touchdowns. I think that's what they want to see different over the last couple of weeks. Okay, so you want your perfect choice of milk and your favorite bowl and favorite spoon to go along with whatever cereal's in there. By the way, do you drink the milk after you eat the cereal? I have never done that. I think it's kind of gross. What? I I don't know. It depends on the cereal. No, no. What if it's like Cocoa Pebbles or something, and it turns it into chocolate milk? Yeah, I still can't do it. Jason. No, no, no. I I dump dump that in the sink every time. We have an immediate poll brewing on BYU (laughs) Sports Nation. Do you drink the milk after Mm -mm. you finish your cereal or not? I am fascinated by this. I think it's gross. (laughs) I've never done that, nor will I ever do that. This is amazing, Jason. No, it's gross. quirks. This is probably the quirkiest thing I've ever heard from you, and there are some quirky things. And I also don't like to eat outside. I think it makes your food smell weird. (laughs) Now to topic two. For obvious reasons, we've spent a lot of time focusing on Jaron Hall and the offense. In fact, we just had a topic about it. But depending on how you look at it, the defense could have more unknowns heading into this week. What do you expect from the BYU defense on Saturday? Better performance for one, and that leads us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. USF, on average, is giving up 4.8 sacks and 8.2 tackles for loss per game. Per game. That is not <laughs> a lot. good for 400, Jason. That's bottom 20 in both of those categories across college football. Yikes. BYU has not had a ton of quarterback sacks. They're averaging exactly one a game, five on the season. They have had their way with some tackles for loss, but I expect both of those numbers in the BYU realm to be bloated after facing USF. This is not a good offensive line and not an explosive offense, and they've had their own kind of quarterback quandary going down there in Tampa. So BYU's defense should be able to pad the stats this weekend. At least two sacks, right? You would think. At least half of what Yeah, they're giving up almost five. Okay, so at least two quarterback sacks. And I don't know, is it – is it too much to ask BYU to come up with like five tackles for loss when a team's averaging 8.2 against every opponent they face this season? I don't think it's – look, this is how I view the BYU defense this weekend. I, I do expect, for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned, definitely being able to get more pressure yes. on the quarterback. Better pass rush for sure. Now, so, now, some of that may be the weak line. Some of it may be the fact that they bring more – into the box 
and and put a little more pressure that way. They they rush a few more. Still, for me though, this week was going to come down to stopping the run. Yes. And I'm not saying and I'm not saying that because USF is this juggernaut ground game. I just think this defense needs to have a game where they keep a team's rushing attack in check. The Bulls are only averaging 140 yards rushing. This has to be the week that BYU's defense begins reversing the trend of giving up the huge yards. Because coming into this week, BYU's given up 220, and and teams have been able to run on this defense. And that's One of the what's worst kept, in the country. Yes, that that has kept other teams in games. Like I think Toledo was a perfect example. BYU had that big lead, and then as soon as Toledo started running, and it wasn't just with the with the running backs, but with their quarterback as well, it changed everything because BYU could not stop it. I still think bottom line is BYU's got to have a week where they find some success at that and be able to gain some confidence at stopping the opposition's run. BYU will have a better pass rush. And if the Cougars are able to hold the Bulls under 150 yards rushing, you can pretty much guarantee a win. That's kind of the magic number under Kalani Satake. And not just under Kalani Satake, it feels like for BYU football, the last forever. Yeah, in general. If you can hold an opponent under 150 yards rushing total, you will most likely win the game. I guarantee it. Oh, they would have won. They would have won the Toledo game had that happened. And they were on pace to do that yes. after the first half. Yes. And then they run heavy team. Oh, yep. it hurts. All right. Football out for the moment. Basketball in. We featured BYU Basketball Media Day Madness yesterday in a two-hour edition of BYU Sports Nation. Talked to Mark Pope, Yoli Childs, TJ Haas, Jake Toulson, Zach Selyus. It was a fantastic show. And in the moment, we all kind of felt like, Oh, our spirits are a little bit higher after we've talked to the coach and players. Not surprisingly. Well, now it's been 24 hours, Jason. Are you more or less optimistic about BYU basketball right now following media day? Look, anytime I hear Mark Pope talk about the team, I'm always uplifted. The guy, the guy is fantastic with that. He brings so much optimism and energy. So when I hear him talk about the program... I get excited, and, I, and I, I love BYU basketball. I'm excited that the season's around the corner. Ultimately, I'd say my optimism really hasn't changed that much. We all know that the hurdles that BYU is going to have to deal with early on in the season, especially— When are you not optimistic, though? I think everybody should be optimistic at the beginning of a year. Okay. Like, nobody's, nobody's won or lost a game yet. This is why you're a fantastic baseball fan. <laughs> exactly. Look, we know Yoli's out. We know losing Gavin Baxter is, is a blow. These are things we already knew, though, and, and we've had the chance to kind of look at the roster, see where this team may be able to find its way. So I'm still optimistic that BYU's veteran guards, so you're talking about Haas and Toulson and others, I think they're more than capable of, of doing that and carrying that scoring load. The lack of size, certainly the depth uh, with the bigs is an issue, and Coach Pope talked about that. But as he reiterated yesterday, it's all about working towards playing your best basketball towards the end of the season. The opportunity is still there, so I'm still optimistic. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're not optimistic playing for Mark Pope or being a fan of Mark Pope and BYU basketball, then clearly you have no feeling in your body. <laughs> it's so hard to listen to him for five minutes and not feel better about not just the basketball team, but just life in general, right? Yeah. The energy he brings to you makes you want to be the best version of yourself. He, he is an incredible motivator. Yes, he is. So, yes, optimism is higher after having listened to Mark Pope, but that doesn't mean I'm not nervous. And I'm really nervous for BYU the first nine games of the season without Yoli Childs. And who knows how healthy Zach Selyus is going to be. And BYU has to figure things out without Gavin Baxter. They're going to play small by necessity. They have no other option. 
They have to play a small lineup. What's going to happen when they do meet a big physical team, which they will face at some point, I would think, at least in Maui, if not Houston, among other opponents. Nevada also in there. They're going to face some big physical teams. How do they respond to that with the, by necessity, smaller lineup? I'm nervous. So, yes, I feel optimistic because Mark Pope does what he does. Yes. But I'm nervous for the Cougars. Well, I'm I'm nervous too. But I mean, I'm looking at it as we already knew all of these things. We knew they were going to have to play small ball. We knew Yoli was going to be out over the last week or so. We've known Gavin Baxter was going to be out, so we had that information already. The, the question was whether or not you feel less or more optimistic after yesterday. There was, there was nothing said yesterday that changed any of that. So I'm still going in, certainly concerned, just like you are, but, but I am optimistic that this team can weather the storm. Then you get guys back, and you know, getting Yoli back will be huge. You get him back if the 10th game just happens to be the game in Salt Lake City against Utah. You're going to have enough opportunity with him in non-conference to get into a rhythm before conference play starts, and then see what happens. Start playing. Get, do exactly what Coach Pope said. Work towards playing your best basketball towards the end of the year and go into Vegas and see what happens. BYU will have a better season than last year. But last year was the worst season in the Dave Rose era and resulted in no postseason. So how much progress do we all anticipate BYU will experience with Mark Pope and the injuries and everything that's happened? Yeah, the point is to get better and be playing your best basketball in March. Just maybe BYU pulls off a miracle and wins the Gonzaga Invitational in Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know. Receives the Mark Few trophy. <laughs> <laughs> Time to hear from you, BYU Sports Nation, as we switch back to football. No more Mark Few trophy references either. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. What do you expect from the BYU football defense on Saturday? At DSTOT50 on Twitter says, Urgency, urgency. To prove the doubters wrong, I expect them to stop the run, force turnovers, and have a breakout game. They need to be a first-time freshman starter quarterback's best friend. Also, should be the USF freshman quarterback's worst nightmare. Well, yeah, you can have both ways. Then that that would be the thing. And our poll is out, Jason. <laughs> I'm not surprised by this because I know a lot of people like to drink the milk in the cereal. Do I just you don't drink the milk left in the bowl after you finish your cereal. Are you team at Spencer underscore Linton, who says absolutely mm-hmm. or team at Jason Shep says that's gross. Twitter results right now. 82 percent in favor of drinking the milk, <laughs> Jason. Treat yourself sometime, man. Yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> Coming up, we've been talking about BYU basketball, maybe needing some help. Spencer and I have an idea how we can help. We'll explain. Corey Chavis of CBS Sports Network will call BYU and USF this Saturday. Why he is specifically excited to watch this version of BYU football. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Saturday, get ready for BYU and South Florida live from Provo and Tampa at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 11.30 a.m. Pacific on BYU TV with Countdown to Kickoff. Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside 
a man who at some point in his life will drink the milk left over in his cereal bowl. Nope. It's gross. Not doing it. <laughs> Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline, I promise we won't talk about cereal. We're going to talk about football. Corey Chavis, 11-year NFL veteran with the Cardinals, Vikings, and Rams, and current CBS Sports Analyst who will call BYU and USF in Tampa. Corey, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Thanks a lot for having me, fellas. I appreciate y'all having me on. You got it. Specifically, why are you anticipating and excited to watch this version of BYU football against USF on Saturday? Well, I think it's two teams that uh, are still uh, in the process of completely finding their identities. And I think, you know, you, you had a little bit of a faster start for the season, obviously, for, for BYU. And the last game that they had was a pretty tough game, but it went you know back and forth. The game where they had a fourteen to three lead, and then I thought USF began to like put its season in uh, maybe a restart mode a week ago against UConn, uh, simply because they were able to establish the running game, and that's something that I think, uh, in a sense, has been uh, inconsistent defending uh, for BYU. So those factors. Uh, along with uh, a number of key special teams, I think players on both teams uh, could make for an exciting game. You've touched on it a little bit there, but how would you evaluate BYU's season so far? They come in at 2-3, and three, they lose the opener to Utah, and then they have two exciting overtime wins over Tennessee and USC, and then back-to-back losses. How would you evaluate the season as a whole for the Cougars? Well, I think if you um, really just take out certain parts, for example, uh, let's say you take out maybe a quarter or two in the Utah game uh, where it kind of got away from them with some turnovers. If you take out uh, maybe the, the, the early portion of Tennessee when it comes to defending the run, and, and I guess they kind of stayed true maybe throughout, but I thought they defended the run late in that game uh, with a certain vigor that you would need. Uh, the Washington game got away from them. I think Toledo... Uh, again, was able to establish some stuff on the ground late. Uh, I think they played tough throughout. They just had a couple of quarters that they like to have back. For USF, it's a little bit of a different story. Now, they haven't, I felt like, maybe played um, up to their talent level at times, I I guess is a good way to put it, Uh, inconsistency in terms of making a decision at quarterback. Are you going to go ahead and go with McLeod or – uh, when he struggles a bit, will you go back to Barnett? Uh, so their offensive line has to get better. I actually think BYU has an advantage from a defensive line perspective against their offensive line. They need to dominate their offensive line in this game, uh, led by uh, I think one guy that can have a big impact is Kyra Tonga. And if he does, uh, then he can stop some of the ground success they had a week ago. Corey, you know what it means to play on a stout defense. So having seen BYU and watched some film, what change would you make on the defensive line so that they can stop the run, which they have not really been able to do to this point? Well, I think it's going to come down to what fronts you use. I mean, they, they've, they've done some even fronts, and what I mean by that is they'll have you know both their defensive tackles over the guards, and then you have your defensive ends occasionally in six or five techniques or basically six techniques when they're in the, the two techniques inside. But aside from getting too technical, I think continuing to mix up the front, 
I believe that a big part of it is going to come down to the linebackers believing their keys. Uh, I, I know Fanua has made some plays in terms of a lot of tackles. Uh, when you see him shoot gaps like he did, uh, you know, it, it, at times a week ago, um, or even in overtime against Tennessee, you see him shoot a gap. He's got to believe his eyes a little bit more. He's a big key. They've got to be stouter on the edge against outside runs. So your outside linebackers, if you're going to have some, and whether I'm talking about Pete, um, P. Lee, I mean, he's the, the defensive end, but he's got to play a little bit stouter. Uh, I think you're going to need, uh, you know, Wilger to play with, you know, added force. I've seen him stack and shed effectively at his height. Uh, so, you know, I, I believe those guys are, are very important. Um, I think um, Leia Tuao is really a, another player, uh, Uriah, number 58, uh, who's been pretty effective on the edge as well. Um, and and Leia Tua really has to um, have one of his better games, uh, to me, this weekend as well, going against some tackles that I think he can have success against. Jaron Hall will be making his first start as BYU's quarterback, taking over for the injured Zach Wilson. What are your expectations for Jaron Hall as he makes his first start? I think it's going to be exciting. I, I think, uh, you know, you, I think that I saw them try to get him involved a little bit, you know, coming in even as a receiver against Tennessee, uh, just with a fake fly sweep, but just trying to get him on the field. I think that lays credence to, you know, his overall ability. I think it's just watching them from in his high school days. He has good range as a passer. You know, he can create on the move. Uh, you know, I, I like the fact that, being able to throw down the field is something that they can maintain for what they were able to do with, with Zach Wilson at quarterback. I, I still think he's going to be a guy that can push the ball down the field, and I think he needs to challenge uh, the South Florida defensive backs uh, to continue to open up some uh, run lanes, I think, uh, for their running backs. And, and I actually like uh, both of the running backs that BYU has, particularly um, – and get Katoa involved in the screen game. Corey Chavis, 11-year NFL veteran with us on BYU Sports Nation, getting prepared to call the BYU-USF game in Tampa this Saturday on CBS Sports Network. Corey, when you look at the unpredictability of sports, it's, it's kind of what makes it beautiful. And so when you look at this game specifically, are you anticipating a shootout or more of a defensive struggle with the uh, BYU rolling out a new quarterback and USF having their own quarterback quandary. What what type of game are you anticipating? Well, I do anticipate some turnovers. Uh, I believe that that's one of the big things that USF has been pretty efficient at. They've been efficient in terms of forcing turnovers. A lot of times when you see a team with a 2-3 and three record that struggles, you lose track of maybe what they're doing defensively. But they forced eight fumbles this year and they've actually recovered eight fumbles. Uh, that, along with the fact that they've been able to get their hands on a lot of footballs, uh, they're an active defense. So I think that's the reason why attacking them down the field is something you want to do early in the game so they'll back off because I think they mix up their fronts a lot. I think on the other side for BYU, they're also a team that's forced some fumbles as well uh, defensively, but, uh, and they've also you know, picked some passes off. Uh, but I think in terms of what they can do to maybe confuse McLeod, uh, you saw that a little bit in some of his games, like against SMU. 
Uh, I think they do a very good job of disguising on the back end. You really don't know whether what coverage they're playing at times, depending on how they rotate their safety. So I could see some turnovers getting created, kind of like SMU did with mixing up the fronts, as we talked about earlier, and also mixing up your safeties. And a lot of those guys have experience, whether you're talking about Tanner, Powell, or Lee. All of those guys have some experience. It'll be important for McLeod uh, to really understand where IU is at on the field, his location. Otherwise, they might, you know, force him into some mistakes as well. What's the matchup, Corey, you think this game ultimately boils down to? Is that defensive line, offensive line matchup you talked about earlier, is that where you think this game boils down to? I think both offensive lines against the other team's defensive line is going to be extremely important. Uh, I think the one thing that I've seen from USF's defensive line, they do a lot of slanting and spiking. They do a lot of amoeba fronts. And what I mean by that is they'll have three down linemen and then they'll have the linebackers up around the line of scrimmage moving around, trying to make you guess a little bit in terms of where you're going to have to fit. Even if you're running some type of zone scheme and you're not doing a man-run blocking scheme. So that's important for BYU's offensive line. On the other side, I believe that it's just going to be about brute power. And that's why I mentioned Tonga earlier. Uh, Fawatea is another guy that's quick inside. Um, I think Dawkins have a bigger game. Uh, I like his potential because of his length on the edge. Uh, Nwigwi has to come in and do some damage as well. Uh, another guy that they rotate in, Mahe, um, he's been active at times. Those guys have to dominate inside against Atterbury, Harris, and Cecil. They've got to win those inside matchups, force some of these runs to bounce, and I think that's when BYU's linebackers and safeties have to step up and fill the alleys. CBS Sports Analyst Corey Chavis on BYU Sports Nation. You have a keen eye for NFL talent. So on both sides of this matchup, who are the guys that have NFL potential, real NFL potential in your opinion? Both tight ends. Mitchell Wilcox uh, for USF and also Matt Bushman. Uh, for BYU, uh, I think those guys are legitimate NFL talents. Don't be surprised to see a guy like Heathrow get into a camp. I've really been impressed with Micah Simon's development. Uh, he's playing faster, uh, kind of back to his 2017 form. Uh, I think he's somebody to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, I, I like Kirk Livingstone, the defensive end slash defensive tackle for USF. Uh, and then defensively, uh, Gavaloku is really a player that can play all over the place. I like him as a gunner on special teams. He's very active there. He's also played a little bit of safety, had two interceptions a couple of years back against Mississippi State. He's put up a nice resume. He'll tackle. Uh, so I, I like him quite a bit. Um, and, you know, really, Kairos Tonga may be the best pro prospect in the game, or one of the better ones. A strong. Uh, he's a guy that can defeat trap blocks. He's powerful, 320 pounds. He moves pretty well. Uh, he's a legitimate guy, and I think he's got to continue to take his game to the next level. He doesn't always, you know, not always show up with stats with him, uh, but he's a tough guy to block. And you know, he could play on the other side of the line of scrimmage just with his six-inch punch because he's so powerful in the upper body and more mobile than 320 pounds. You'd think. Corey, with your knowledge, I'm convinced you don't do anything but watch football 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> no, 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 man. I, I try to have some type of life, but I love it. You know, and I, I, you know, I've always uh, – I really think that um, these two football teams, they do have a lot of talent. So 
you know, I get a little bit excited, man, especially when it's almost game time. Uh, it's nothing like the preparation for a game. I think, uh, you know, it's meticulous, and, and you get to watch all these different players and, and really look at the coaches and, and how their confidence varies during games. You know, I, I, as a player, you always knew how confident your coach was by what he was calling, either offensively or defensively. And so the coach's demeanor during the games, I don't need to look at the expressions on their faces. I can just kind of go by their calls, and that'll let you know how they're feeling about the game. Corey Chavis, a proud alumnus of Silver Bluff High School, and don't you forget it, Corey. It's great to talk to you, man. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate y'all having me on, man. You got it. We'll see you in Tampa. Corey Chavis on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. He is fantastic. Talk about preparation. His preparation for games, his his knowledge is unbelievable. Well, he's, I love, he's an NFL draft guy. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, he I love, knows it. Yep, I love it. Coming up, I go one-on-one with Alex Rodriguez. Plus, how no, Jason... not Alex Rodriguez. Aaron Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> the other Aaron. The other A-Rod. Oh, all right, okay. Uh, plus how Jason and I can help BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope and his team. We've, uh, we've been working out a little bit. This is BYU Sports Nation. I think we're going to help. Ninth-ranked BYU women's volleyball returning to the Smithfield House tonight to host the San Francisco Dons. You can watch the match on the BYU TV app, 9 Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Hey, oh, it's a Thursday. I'm leaving for Tampa in like three hours, Jason. Oh, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Hey, you get to stay and watch a top ten volleyball. Team I'm tonight. wearing a I'm wearing a sweatshirt right now, and you're going to the where the temps are probably in the upper seventies. I'm going hunting for gators, my friend. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I don't know what the difference between a gator and a croc is. Do you? <laughs> Just Google it right now. Crocodiles are generally bigger and have darker skin, I believe, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. Pointier snouts, maybe. But but do they are they both in Florida? Because I know gators are. Are Crocs there too? Yes, I learned this. I had a few people tweet at me and tell me that they're both there, but you have to go to the Everglades. You got to go deep into the Everglades if you want to see both Crocs and alligators. And then you get on one of those like uh, those big fan boats. Yep, I know what you're talking. Just call me Bobby Boucher. There you go. (laughs) Let's get to today's headlines. BYU football takes on the Bulls of USF this Saturday. Coverage on BYU TV begins with countdown to kickoff at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. Radio pregame starts at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. The game kicks off on CBS Sports Network at 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 p.m. Pacific. BYU basketball held its media day yesterday. The Cougars' first exhibition game will be coming up on November 1st against UT Tyler at the Marriott Center. Sixth-ranked BYU women's soccer ends a three-game losing streak to Pepperdine last night in dominating fashion, 5-1. to one. Elise Flake finished with two goals. She has 11 on the season. The Cougars continue their conference play Saturday against Pacific, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific on BYU TV. They're one of two remaining undefeated teams in the country, along with number one ranked Virginia. Mm, Bronco Mendenhall, loving that. Number nine, women's volleyball. We just talked about this, hosting San Francisco tonight. Cougars are a perfect 18-0 all-time against the Dons. The match can be seen on the BYU TV app at 9 Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. BYU basketball first-year head coach Mark Pope was asked at the BYU basketball media day press conference if there is some concern about depth on BYU's roster. Injuries, turnover, player retirements, you name it. This was his response. The short answer to that is no. Um, it, unless we find some bodies just on campus, which which we actually put out some flyers uh, the other day. Okay, 
So with the Flyers out, we are volunteering our services to help out BYU basketball. Uh, Still need to check with compliance on this, um, but for now, we're just putting it out there. We're willing, yes, we're willing to offer our services to help out the basketball program. We believe that we have some eligibility left. Capability? Well, to be determined, but eligibility, (laughs) probably. So, Jason... Our player cards make your case for helping Mark Pope in BYU basketball and taking him up on his flyer. Look, I know Coach believes in heart, okay? This is a guy that likes guys to come in and give it their all. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to do for you, Coach. I'm not the tallest. I'm 5'9". I still hope I'm 5'9". I may be shrinking. I don't know. <laughs> I'm 170 pounds, but like six months ago, I was 185, so I've leaned, I've leaned out a little bit. I think I can help you out. Five nine question mark? Okay, that's, that's, editor, that's, I don't like that, okay? You can take that question mark out, okay? Uh, I am a fitness enthusiast. I would prefer not to do any leg days, if that's possible. Okay. Uh, I was a swimmer, so I've got good cardio, uh, in high school, I was also the uh, outstanding U.S. history student in eighth grade. So <laughs> if you need any help with homework with any of my teammates, T- I'm there. Tutoring? Tutoring, I'm there. I'm fine with it. Here's the other thing. Uh, I, liked, I like the indoors. A lot of people tell you they like the outdoors. I prefer to stay indoors, which is where most times you play basketball. Okay. I think I can help you out. I'm, I'm just telling you, Coach. The staff, I'm available. You're a gym rat. You're a high-motor guy. I'm like a coach on the floor. Uh, yeah, I'm all of those things. You're Ollie from Hoosiers. <laughs> Except I don't shoot the granny shot. <laughs> okay, time for me to go full now Uncle it, Rico. Now it is your turn. Time for me to go full Uncle Rico here for Mark Pope and BYU Basketball. You are looking at a two-time varsity letter winner for the Knights of Northridge High School who were ranked number two for the majority of the season in the year 2000. I led the number two Knights in defensive efficiency. At least that's what my coaches told me. Academic All-State in 2000. I stood next to former BYU big man Garner Meads when I received that award. Not playing in the state championship game. He was. We were ousted right before that. Honed my shooting skills at a church next door to my house. And I like pineapple, Jason. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Like I think that may be what gets you over the top. The lint roller is what my graphic says on TV. Oh, I didn't even see what mine said. Did mine say anything? 5'11", 175. Jason, Jason, okay, I like that. Six feet tall. 175 is pretty close, but I'm six feet. Like, if you're 5'9", I'm 6'4". Look, there's no reason to make this personal, okay? (laughs) I guess we're kind of on the same team, right? Are there more than one spot? Here's the thing. How about we go as a package deal? Oh. Like, it's either both of us or neither of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Boy, tough decision, Coach Pope. <laughs> tough decision. You want to recruit one of us, you got to recruit both of us. I thought we were volunteering and not being recruited. Oh, I mean, yes, we're volunteering, but he still has the choice to say, yes, I would like you on my team. I'm really hoping we get a response from him on this because we're willing to help the basketball team out. Hey, if you want someone that can shoot the three and play defense, this is your guy right here. And I'm a... Great team guy. I will give you an incredible two and a half minutes per game. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up, Thursday night football spotlighting a former Cougar tonight. And BYU's version of A-Rod. 
No, not Alex Rodriguez, as Jason teased. It's Aaron Roderick, the BYU pass game coordinator, and how this offense is going to look on Saturday. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Or listen to BYU Sports Nation live at noon Eastern. You don't have to worry about it. Download the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, or Google Play, and enjoy On Demand. While you're there, subscribe, rate, and review BYU Sports Nation wherever you get your podcasts. BYU pass game coordinator Aaron Roderick is oft soft-spoken, but ready to unveil a loud offense with Jaron Hall on Saturday. One-on-one BYU Sports Nation all-access. Jason Shepard with Aaron Roderick. Well, how is life as the BYU quarterbacks coach these days? Uh, it's always interesting, yeah. There's never a boring day. Take us through what your thought process thought process is when Zach goes down and you immediately have to get Jaron in. What goes through your mind? Well, um, I mean, first concern is for Zach, just, you know, but in the middle of the game, there's not a lot of time to think about it. You just the next guy up and uh that happened to be jaron he's taken the reps as the number two guy and he was ready to go i thought he did a a good job of giving us a chance um would have been you know would have been better if we would have been able to finish it but um yeah there's not a lot of time to think about it during the game you just you just next guy's up he even said this week that he thought that just getting in for that that short series actually helped him kind of realize what what it was like to have one of those series in a game. He thinks it actually helped him. Yeah, I mean, every rep you take in a real game helps. I mean, those reps accrue over time and and that's how you gain experience and you know the the great decision makers usually those are guys that have played a lot of football and um, I thought Zach was playing really well because you know the the reps he got last year really helped him I thought get off to a good start this year and um, and now Jaron's getting his chance and and I I, I think that each each rep he gets is going to just make him a better player. Well and how much further along do you believe he is now having gone through the spring where he was getting those first team reps? Yeah, no, there's no question. He got a lot of reps in the spring and then uh, got, got quite a few reps in fall camp too because we were managing Zach's number of throws each day. So Jaron's had a good number of practice reps in the last year and then we've got him in every game this year too. He's, you know, even when you only play a couple plays, you're still in there uh, adjusting to the speed of the game and, and getting a feel for you know how intense things move really fast in a real game and and uh you know he's had a good taste of it so far and and then of course this week will be his first start and i'm excited to watch him play he is a very cool customer he, he has this confidence about him but also humble at the same time he he's one of those guys you certainly pull for no question yeah he's got he's got all the attributes that you look for in a qb he's got a lot of confidence in himself um but he's got also got a healthy respect for the game and knows that that uh, you got to prepare, and and uh, I think he's uh, a guy that studies it and works at it, and and uh, he's got a lot of talent. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. I would imagine, in hindsight, I guess you, after a loss, especially, you never want to have an extra week before you get to play. You probably want to get right back at it. But with everything going on, especially with the quarterback change, it was probably a benefit to you guys. Yeah, the I mean, you never. <laughs> Never want to lose a game, but the bye week, the practice reps from the bye week were helpful, and we were able to get uh, all the QBs a good dose of reps that week. And we we did you know some extra team stuff, eleven on eleven against our defense, a little more than we normally would, just to let the quarterbacks play. How has Jaron looked 
uh, last week during the bye week and then to, to start this week of practice? He's looked sharp, you know, and I, I think we just have to be patient. I mean, every any QB making his first start is bound to make a few mistakes, but I have a lot of confidence in him. Um, his skill set is similar enough to Zach that we're not, you know, we don't have to change our offense or, you know, invent a whole new system or anything like that. He, we just we just plug him in and go, and, and uh, that's what we're trying to build a stable of quarterbacks here that all have enough, you know, enough common traits that we can just run the same offense all the time. Well, and that's what I wanted to touch on that, because last year when the quarterback change was made from Tanner to Zach, there were some changes that needed to be to happen to the offense, but, but this year, how much more do you think that helps the progression to be able to hit the ground running? No pun intended. Well, we'll find out Saturday. <laughs> it should help, but um, you know we gotta we need to score more points. That's that's uh, something that needs to happen, and, and um, but I think that, you know, continuing down the path of what we're doing and sticking with the plan gives you a better chance than trying to reinvent a whole new offense just just that that doesn't usually work in the middle of the season um even last year we made fairly significant changes but it it wasn't a whole new offense we just tailored it a little more to to zach um but i i I have a lot of confidence in jaron and i think that um you know i think he's gonna play well what role has Zach taken since the injury? Jaron said he's been in the meeting rooms and still participating. What, what kind of role is he having right now? Yeah, Zach's a great teammate, just like those guys were for him. I mean, that's part of playing the quarterback position. Is it's a, it can be a lonely it can be a lonely deal. You know, you get sometimes you get uh, you know you sometimes the quarterback gets a little maybe a little more credit than he deserves, but the quarterbacks definitely take a lot of criticism and a lot of heat. And I think when you've been the guy and you've been out there and you've been through the fire and taken the criticism from media and fans and and uh, had to stand in front of your own team and you know those things are tough and Zach's been through that and I think the other quarterbacks respect him for that and now Zach knows that Jaron's going into that and I think he's there to support him and and help him any way he can. This matchup specifically with South Florida, what have you guys been able to see from their defense? What what are you expecting to see when you guys get to Tampa? A lot of speed. I mean, they're good on defense. They've got <laughs> they've got good players. Uh, you know, this this is. This is a defense that will not be much of a drop-off from any of the you know first four opponents we played this year, and um, uh, you know I think early they might have had a few struggles scoring points, but uh, um, it seems like they figured that out lately on on their offense. But their defense is very good, a um, lot of speed, good pass rush, good cover guys, and uh, they like to bring a lot of pressure. So we've got our work cut out for us. I think when people talk about Jaron's athleticism, I think some people may interpret that as they're saying that Zach isn't athletic, and that's certainly not the case. But but what added dimension does Jaron's specific athleticism add to the offense? You know, I they're they're really a lot more similar than they are. You know, it's it's a lot easier to find similarities than differences. I mean, they're they're very close, uh, similar skill sets, similar throwers. I mean, there's a lot in common between the two. Um, you know, maybe. Jaron's a little shorter and a little thicker, but they're they're almost the same height and weight. I mean, it's it's not much it's not much of a difference. And uh, uh, the only the only difference really is that Jaron just hasn't played a lot yet, so that's the unknown. But uh, the skill set is there. The, I think he's got the right mindset, and um, you know we'll see. I think we just have to be patient, though. That you know it's a tough position, and and we're playing against a really good defense Saturday, so we're gonna have to live with whatever mistakes he makes, but I have, I have confidence that he'll make you know, more good plays than bad. Well, and speaking of that confidence, his teammates have the utmost confidence in him, and I was talking with him about that earlier, and he says that means the world to know that, that your teammates have your back. Yeah, they believe in him because you know, they've seen him do it in practice, and, and um, 
you know, and they see the way he prepares. And I think I think his teammates respect him. And you know, now we got to go do it, though. We got to go prove it on on the field. Well, it, it, you guys are definitely getting out of town at the right time, heading to uh, South Florida when the temperatures are going to drop twenty or thirty degrees. So you guys planned that quite well. Yeah, I'm already hydrating. I'm already <laughs> hydrating. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Aaron Roderick, BYU Sports Nation All Access with Jason Shepard. Coming up, which women's soccer player scored her first collegiate goal last night? You'll find out in my rising shout-out. And all they do is win, win, win. The BYU golf teams, plural, on top. Details next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Shout-out to today's guest, Corey Chavis of CBS Sports Network. He'll call the BYU-USF game on Saturday. And BYU quarterbacks coach and pass game coordinator Aaron Roderick. The show is on demand via podcast and the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Soccer. Sixth-ranked BYU women's soccer takes down Pepperdine 5-1 yesterday. BYU continues conference play Saturday, October 12th against Pacific 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific on BYU TV. Volleyball. Number nine, women's volleyball hosting San Francisco tonight as they look to extend their eight-game winning streak. Watch the game on the BYU TV app, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Cougars in the NFL. Kyle Van Noy and the New England Patriots on Thursday night football take on the struggling New York Giants, 820 Eastern, 520 Pacific. Fox and the NFL Network. Swimming and diving. BYU freshman swimmers Tyler Edelson and Katie McBratney earned their first MPSF Athlete of the Week awards after their performances at the Intermountain Shootout. Today's rise and shout-outs now. For me, Jason, I'm going with the BYU women's golf team. They finished in first place in very, very tough conditions at the Eden Islandfelt invite after shooting a combined 607. That's 31 over par as a team through two rounds of play awful conditions and that's when carrie roberts says her team thrives the most they proved it first place finished byu golf men's or women's side amazing yeah my rising shout out's going to go to uh, sarah jane everybody calls her sj affleck scoring her first career goal as a byu cougar last night for the women's soccer team our lead voice of the day presented by sundance mountain resorts answering the poll question about milk at the bottom of the cereal bowl at BYU CPA 1965 says, I don't drink the milk, but just keep putting more cereal in the bowl until the milk is gone. This man knows what he's talking about. <laughs> By the way, I'm winning like 82% to 18%. I don't Go Cougs! Shout out to Patrick Mitchell. Are you looking for a better way to deliver results this year? Expanding your product line or building...